Alan, I'm I'm thinking of that story where you walked through the security gates on an airplane that was pulling away from the tarmac because right. you wanted on that flight. Right. And you literally walked out on the tarmac and waved the pilot down. Yes. And made him stop <laughs> the airplane so you could get on. <laughs> now, this is this is in the days before 9-11. Thankfully. I mean, yeah, you, yeah, you would I'd probably be, dead. be deader in prison now for busting <laughs> through those gates. But there's a guy who was bringing more chaos, right. forceful, aggressive, right. move against, right? Right. Demanding, controlling. Bull in the China shop. Bull in the China shop. And you are aware of God inviting you through chaos right. into a season of becoming a source of tranquility in situations. Yeah. Instead of the guy that makes it happen, which is always a label I gave myself, and then I, I did everything I could to earn it yeah. and prove it. Yeah. Now to being a man, a son, who can change the atmosphere for good, mm. not by out-chaosing things or just forcing things, but just saying, I want to usher in beauty and order and, and peace and love. And I can do that with a real strength. So there's strength involved. Mm. But it's refined strength, and that's the journey I'm in right now. So, friends, welcome back. Part two, a conversation between John Eldridge, Alan Arnold, and the premise is maturity is not an option. These are really hard times to be a human being. God cares about that. He knows. He cares about our humanity. But wholeheartedness is not something for the brave and the few wholehearted integration, more of our being, more whole and more one with Christ mm -hmm. is our rescue in this hour. So I'm going to start, I'm, I think I might do like bumper stickers. Maturity is not an option. <laughs> Just so convinced of it because it's kindness. Yes. It's rescue. It's love. Mm -hmm. and, and that was the Hebrews 12 passage we read from last time that God is shaping us. And it doesn't feel great, but it's loving. In the end, it's heading in a really good direction. Right. So, friends, if you didn't hear part one, you might want to go back and, and grab that. Alan's just been talking about coming to the realization that, you know, when, when God is after something in our lives, just simply clinging to the idea of, I don't know what this is yet. I don't know where I'm headed. But I do know that God prepares his people for the things he wants for us, right? Right. That was kind of what you were coming to. Right. And, and you see this in Scripture. It's so fascinating to me when, when I look back at some of these stories. Like a great example of, I think, initiation early on, the life of David. So he's learning who he is, and he's being initiated by God in what feels like a very— unseen way from the world's perspective. I mean, he's out in the field and he's taking care of sheep and he's learning how to tame bears and lions. Oh, from, from a career standpoint, dead end job. Right. That was not a romantic job back in those days. Right. You're, you're at the bottom of the rung. These guys, they're not respected. It's not high paying. And you're alone basically a lot. 
Right. You're just out in the wilderness kind of facing things on your own. Yes. Tough job. And God did not come to David and say, hey, David, actually, I'm initiating you to become a king one day. <laughs> okay. So yes, you're That's unseen. Huge. Your dad doesn't even think about you That's in huge. the qualifying, you know, potential sons for kingship. But just stick with it. D- David doesn't get that. That's huge. That's huge, right? Nowhere do we see God coming to, you know, 10-year-old, 12-year-old David and saying, guess what? Just One day, me. you are going to be king of the entire nation. So hang with me, pal. All this is, he- right? Right. Yeah. And you look at somebody then who kind of veers the other way. And to me, that's the story of Jonah comes to mind. And I was rereading that last week. And, and in the first chapter, first couple of sentences, it basically says, you know, Jonah got up and walked the other direction from what God was inviting him into. And it says in the message, he was running away from God. So you see this man who God is trying to initiate. And the story of Jonah to me is such a cautionary tale because the guy, he runs away, tries to flee the opposite way. He still ends up on a ship. The storm, God brings the storm. And then you think, okay, Jonah's going to rise up. And and he kind of a little bit does. He says, hey, guys, finally the storm. I think it's me that that's causing this. And But then when he gets thrown over and he goes in the belly of the you know well for three days, and then he comes out and you're, you're expecting this new man, he still is grumbling. Like he's basically in chapter four, the last chapter, wrestling with God again because he's mad now that, God changed his mind and saved the people, and then he's mad that he doesn't have shade and the the worms eating the bush, and it's like, ah, and I see myself in Jonah so many times where it's like, there's so many opportunities that God is trying to father and initiate you, and you keep moving against. You keep going against. So what was the invitation that, that God could have used Jonah in down the road? Like, I don't know, but I think there was probably more. And it feels like this tale of somebody who refused the initiation again and again and again. And the last we see of him, he's grumbling, mm-hmm. you know, under mm-hmm. under this withered mm-hmm. tree, as opposed to David, who we see stepping in, stepping in, yep, making mistakes and, and yes, paying the consequences, but but trajectory-wise, learning how to be initiated well. Okay, that helps me. That helps me. Because David didn't have answers yet, and he didn't know where this was headed. Maybe, maybe, maybe God spoke to him about his future, but he kept moving towards God Mm -hmm. because he loved God. Right. And one of the things that has been an absolute rescue to my soul that Jesus began to rescue me in, we've been through a lot of suffering we actually just lost a, a very dear horse to our family, a horse that's been with Blaine since he was 13. And he'd been saving for this horse since he was six years old. And, I mean, what little boy, he saves all his allowance, all of his birthday money. His brothers are buying, you know, Batman action figures and stuff. And yeah. Blaine saves $1,000 by the time he's 13. Because he wants to buy a horse, and he gets a horse. He gets an amazing, beautiful paint, and it, right in his vision quest year, and it's part of his coming of age, and they grow up together, and it's, it's this beautiful, 
beautiful story. Well, we just lost him. We've just been through a lot of suffering. We've been through a lot. And, and when, I'm in, when I'm in the suffering, before I have the interpretation, and sometimes there is and sometimes there isn't interpretation, right. but before that, Jesus says, just start loving me. Love me now, love me here, love me in this. Move your heart in my direction. Come towards me in this, which is, I think, what David was doing. You know, we don't know how much he understood of his story, but we know he kept moving towards God. And in the Psalms, we see him, even in wrestling, moving toward God. Yeah, I love you anyway. Yes. I love you anyway. Yes. Now, what is going on? Right. right? Yeah. Right. Because, I, I, Alan, as we move into some thoughts on how people can— interpret their story with the the big idea here is it's not pointless. God's up to something. Mm-hmm. He's actually preparing you for greater things. Right. He wants to entrust more of his kingdom to you, more blessing. Yes. Right. But but you have to be in a place you can handle it well. So that's the hopefulness. And, and before we jump into, okay, so what do you do with that? What's the, I, I do want to say, gang, we are not implying that every hard thing in your life is from God. No. Or that every hard thing in your life is for some purpose of character transformation. Right. I remember I was in, in some terrible loss a number of years ago and— it just felt like one setback after another. And I just asked Jesus, I'm like, Jesus, like, is this you? And he said, no, no, mm. but I can meet you in it. Wow. And so we just quickly want to say this, gang, what, what we're not saying is, therefore, everything's training. Right. Everything's initiation. Everything is Hebrews right. 12. Everything is God disciplining his sons and daughters. I, there is a branch of Christianity that believes that. We don't believe that. No. There are forces of evil in the world. There's a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy in Jesus's own words. There's broken and sinful human beings that can really screw up situations. They can wreck a marriage. They can bring a house down. They can destroy a a church, a a friendship, you know, a, a, a corporation. So there are many other reasons in a dynamic world for the hardness that we go through. We're not trying to simplify it and just say, hey, gang, if you just understand this is God shaping you, you know. But what we are saying is, Jesus said, but I can meet you in it. I can meet you in it. So, Alan is the chaos, and I'm just, <laughs> just cracking up. You're writing a book on chaos, fiction book, but with spiritual right. parallels, meaning. Right. You're writing a book on chaos. Your life suddenly is full of chaos, relational chaos, financial chaos, parenting chaos, family chaos. And if you'd like some career chaos, I could throw that in. But, <laughs> Please um, don't. How did you make the shift to, you know, the point you're trying to bring us in this in this conversation is, hey, God could be preparing you for something. How did you get from the internal world of, yikes, oh no, you know, all the upheaval, what shifted you? 
Well, what shifted me was I started when it first began, I just realized, man, life is, life is getting harder and I'm not enjoying, like if I come home and we've got three teenagers and, and if it's constant, they're great kids, but if it's constant management of discipline and correcting and helping and rescuing and changing and I found myself, my spirit was getting a little bit weary. And John, I realized I either need God's interpretation for this mm. because the chaos is building and the refrigerator goes out and then the microwave goes mm. out and then mm. the car that has 200,000 miles now needs more money in it than, than it's probably worth. And so as everything starts to build, I found myself going, either I'm going to I, I know myself well enough to go, I'm going to start looking for relief in other ways because the chaos is, I need some form of joy or bliss and I'm going to start finding it some way, which may not be healthy, or I need interpretation and I need to step into not that God, again, like you said, he's not causing so much of this. I really dislike the view of God being this teacher that stands at the back of the room with his arms crossed, and until we pass the test, he just stands there staring at us. I don't see God that way. He does teach us things, Mm. but but I see God as a father who will take any circumstance, like you said, and initiate us through it, use it for good. And so rather than allow myself to just start looking for relief from the chaos, it was a chance to go, right, God, you have so much to initiate me in this. And the thing is, God chooses how he wants to initiate us. Like, God doesn't really ask. He's never asked me for permission to initiate me. But it is my choice whether to step into it or not. And so that was the shift for me, John, was going, I don't want to be taken down by this. I don't want my character to be dinged. And I don't want to start trying to find life outside of God in the midst of this. So I know he's up to something in the midst of this, and I am going to allow that initiation process, even if I don't know fully where it's headed. Yeah, where this is going. Right. Yeah. I submit to that. Yeah. Okay. So, gang, now we are in part two, and now I do want to give a little bit of direction, but let me first put this in a larger context, because this was on your heart to bring into conversation this week. But There's a larger thing going on, Alan, and we've seen a number of really, really good people kind of sabotage lately in some pretty awful ways uh, up to the point of taking their own life, Mm. that there is a sifting going on right now. And I want to very quickly say, and I don't think it's from God. I think that there is a great deal of pressure in the world and the enemy is using that pressure and he finds our brokenness and he hammers us there. And we were praying about this as a leadership team just last week. And one of the things we heard was, yep, there is a sifting going on right now of humanity. And it, it can be very evil. It can be very awful. So... It's just a larger context of this back to what will you do with that when you find yourself being sifted, when you find yourself in distress, when, you know, Alan, you were saying the first thing you recognized was the flight for relief. Right. 
and and you can see, well, that's not going to take me good places. God, I need you. And so, gang, I think I want to just pause and just talk a little bit about interpretation for a moment, because I think interpretation is crucial, and we tend to jump to it, right? Right. Everybody's got their default switch, and it can be, you know, based on your story, or it can be based on your church culture. Some people jump straight to, oh, this is just the enemy. This is just the enemy, you know, the, this is mm-hmm. the years of the locusts, mm-hmm. and, and God's going to restore the years the locusts have eaten, and you start claiming things when everybody else in your life goes, no, you've got some serious issues you're not facing, <laughs> right. right? Yes. And, you know, or, or yes. people that jump straight to self-reproach. And on the other hand, you know, they're quick to look at themselves and go, it's me. I'm an idiot. I always do this. I'm, I can't handle my life. I can't handle relationship, totally. whatever that yeah. may be. Okay. You have a default switch, gang. Pay attention to that. What do you typically jump to when you're looking for interpretation? Because I think what Alan's trying to invite us into today is ask God to help you interpret what's going on. And give it a little room for yes. him to speak, right? Like right. not 30 seconds, right. not one session of, you know, prayer, but to say, wait a second, if this isn't you, God, I know you sure can meet me in it. So help me interpret this. Is that? That's it, John. Because I think it's easy, at least for me, to get in the trap of saying, God, tell me what you're inviting me into. Then I'll decide if I want to sign up. Oh. No, if that sounds a little too hard, I, I think I'll pass on that. What else would you invite me into? Like, I wish sometimes it worked that way, but instead to go, I'm looking at how I'm being initiated. I'm flipping it. I'm looking at how God is initiating me in the hidden places with the anticipation that he has more for me. And I want that more. Mm-hmm. I want to be a man that's more wholehearted. Mm-hmm. I want to be a man of integrity. So in the hidden places, I'll submit the best I can to an initiation without the requirement that you tell me what you're up to fully. But I'll do that because I want to be more David than Jonah. And and I want to be mm. the man you're shaping me into. And God doesn't owe us all the upfront details for that to happen. So I think it starts with that. With but he can certainly show you what he's working on. Oh, yeah. That's apparent. I mean, that— Right? Right. I mean, you do have clarity on that. Totally. You don't know where it's headed. Right. But in the current, you're like, oh, it's my control, or it's my forcefulness, or it's right. my flight for relief. Right. Right? Right. You look for those things, and I think that is the first starting point, is what is taking me out now? Where am I losing— peace? Where am I not liking who I am? Where do I feel absence from God? And you start looking at these things. And then I think that's the sign of, okay, there's some initiation going on in that area of my life. The goal isn't relief from that area. The goal is healing, restoration. And, but totally. it's, it's human nature to go, just take it away. Yes. Like just, yes. you know, yeah. instead of going, okay, yeah. initiate me, yeah. grow that in me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So current story. I 
didn't know exactly what we were going to talk about when we came into the studio, um, but man, I am listening in my own life right now, Alan. And I'm just in another one of those episodes where our sleep has come under a lot of attack. And, and in this case, it's very clear it's spiritual warfare because when it's not there, we sleep great. So it's not nutrition or hormonal or brain chemistry or stress and poor living and you know, yes. not practicing Sabbath because when it's not there, we sleep really well. So we're in another round and it's just awful. It's really, it's really brutal stuff. And I can feel it flushing things inside of me. And I do want answers. <laughs> I, sure. do want, I do want victory. I, right. want, I want this thing to resolve well, yes. right? But I can tell that in the meantime, there is some wholeheartedness that does not exist in me. And this is flushing that. There's fear. There's old places of, you're on your own to figure this out. You fix this, mm. you know? And so this is flushing things. I think the assault is straight from hell, but I think God is, you know, what you meant for evil, God meant for good in Joseph's language. I think that God is able to take any hell in our lives and throw it back in the enemy's face right. by working redemption in us so that we come out wholer, stronger, mm -hmm. more united with Christ, more of those, let's call it uninhabited real estate. There's places in our souls, tracts of land, real estate, that actually isn't yet in union with Jesus. Right. And this stuff will sure flush it, won't it? Oh, it will. If we let it, if we are aware of it, and if we are willing to let God shape us in it, yeah. I, I think it's amazing who we can become. Yeah. And then we look back at it later and go, actually, he was preparing me for far more than I thought. Like in the publishing situation from the first episode I told yeah, you about. Yeah, right. It's huge. It wasn't even, that wasn't even a job title. It wasn't on your radar. Right. Mm -hmm. But it was on God's. Mm -hmm. So, listeners, let me, let me just suggest the hope is, even if it's something that's meant for evil in your life, even if it is the, the harm of other people, even if it is the assault of the enemy, the hope is that God can meet you here. Yes. God can meet you here, and he can use the current distress to bring about a greater wholeheartedness. And from that place of greater wholeheartedness, new things can unfold. Beautiful things can unfold, things that God may have in mind for you that we're not ready yet for, because we need the wholeheartedness first. So I would say don't leap to interpretation or, or notice your leap, right? Notice your knee jerk. Oh, I know what this is. This is, you know, lay that before God, lay that down and begin with Jesus, meet me here. Right. Meet me here. Don't know what this is. Don't know what, you know, even, even if it's your fault, gang, still, the redemption is available. Right. Jesus, meet me here. What are we working on? What are you after? And, and the first ascent is, I give everything inside of me to you. 
I, I may not fully understand yet what needs wholeness or even how we're going to get to wholeness. That's good. But I give everything inside of me to you, Jesus. You have my yes. And I do pray for victory. I do pray for resolution. I, yes, you don't want to live in chaos. No. No. <laughs> right? No. You're looking for an end. I'm ready for an end. Yeah. But, John, I think the key for me has been I release the control of trying to have the timing of when it ends. Yes. Even though I want it to end, I pray for God to make this Mm -hmm. relatively quick. Mm -hmm. Some processes are years and some are weeks. And and to be willing to go, God, you refine me as needed for what's to come. If if this is a two-year process and and you're guiding me through it, I'm in. Yeah. And if yeah. it ends tomorrow, yeah. awesome. Yeah. And again, gang, we are not presenting the picture of a rough Sunday school teacher, you know, waiting for his students to get the lessons. This is a very brutal time to be a human being on the earth right now. And God cares about that. He knows. He cares about your humanity. And he knows that wholeheartedness is your rescue. Wholeheartedness is the fortress. Wholeheartedness is the safe place. You know, as Jesus says in John 14, the enemy is coming, but there's nothing in me he has to work with. Mm. Right? There's a a wholeness of being that God does want to bring about in us and I think is absolutely critical for the hour that we're living in. Maturity is is your rescue. Maturity is your safe place. And, and then, as you're saying, Alan, who knows what God has in store? Maybe some brand new thing is going to open up in front of you right. because you walked with him through this, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Boy, great conversation. Thanks for bringing this to the table. Um, super helpful. I, I literally am going to leave this and go think about it some more because I'm disrupted by it and invited by it. So thank you and... Uh, We hope you've enjoyed this two-part series.